Welcome to the Digital Profits Podcast, where you'll learn how to grow your business faster using paid traffic and SEO. Each episode will feature a breakdown of digital marketing trends and answers to your burning questions that will provide actionable takeaways to make your marketing better. So join us, Ben Page, Ray Sawbell, and Blake John, as we guide you on your journey to higher profits. Remember to join the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com and get ready to profit in three, two, one. Hey guys, we're back with another exciting episode. What are we talking about today? Ben, we are talking about competitive intelligence today. That's a great question. Yeah, and guys, how often does it happen that the competitors you want to look at in search or in paid traffic situations are the same ones that clients bring to you in the first place? It's rare. I feel like clients... uh they have a few that are kind of a, a, a few competitors that are a thorn in their side. I mean, they kind of keep those close by, keep your enemies close. But digi- like their digital competitors are often very different from the competitors that they're listing when we're kind of doing an onboarding process and talking about this sort of competitive analysis process in general. It can be a good conversation starter too. Like if, if a client knows who their actual competitor is, they're going to share that. But then you can also share what's out in the space as well, which is a, a pretty good conversation starter and can demonstrate what's actually happening out in practice. Yeah. So often they might have a known competitor from trade shows or, you know, from a product overlap that they're aware of, you know, big picture or based on, you know, kind of institutional knowledge, competitor size, revenue, market, you know, news and so on. But when we get into digital, what we find is that whether you're looking at search result pages or you're looking at, let's say in Google ads, Ray, the auction insights report, the domains that appear for the types of searches and, and audiences that you want to target, that you want to acquire new customers from, those are very often a different set than, you know, what, what clients are aware of. And so it's really interesting, you know, and let's kind of like zoom out though and talk about why is competitive intelligence important? You know, what's the purpose of doing these exercises in the first place? Well, I think just from a from a basic level, it kind of helps you understand where you stand amongst your competitors, right? And it's going to help you specifically, the, the biggest opportunity is just identifying what you can do to beat them or overcome them or become like the competitor that everyone wants to do this analysis on, right? So I think that's where it starts and that's why it's so important. Yeah, for, for me on the paid side, it's tracking how that competitive landscape shifts over time. So Ben, you mentioned the Auction Insight report. It's a really great report in Google, Microsoft that allows you to see here's how a competitor is pacing and changing day over day, week over week. And it really shows you how that shifts and it allows you to be adaptive and determine, do I want to be really aggressive during this time? Should I fall back? Should I figure out how to pace my budget differently? It just allows, it allows you to think about your campaigns differently and then react accordingly with strategy. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, there's the idea that if you're always pursuing your competition and, you know, chasing after them, that you're always going to be in second place. So I think, you know, on the one hand, you need to concern yourself with your customers and your product, right? And just serving their needs more effectively, more efficiently to gain an edge. However, I think it is still useful to keep an eye on the market and your competitive set. And I think first, first of all, getting that awareness of in the marketing 
and, and digital marketing channels that you're pursuing, who are the competitors vying for that same customer as you? Because whether it's SEO, whether it's PPC, these are competitive systems by their very nature, both in terms of, you know, trying to get content to rank and become visible in the search result page or very literally with the auction based system in, in pay-per-click. So, you know, that's important, but, you know, I think big picture before we get into the tactics, you know, thinking about big picture strategy for me, the goal starting out, um, is sort of mapping the landscape, you know, so you want to gain that base level awareness of who are the players in these different arenas, these different channels that are, that are a part of your mix. But once you identify one or more that you think are significant and, and relevant based on, you know, product market overlap, you know, with yourself or, or at the very least, they're a significant player in a given acquisition channel that you're working on. You want to try to almost reverse engineer the data that you receive from this competitive intelligence in order to understand their model of acquisition. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you can get a sense of their economics, if you can get a sense of the size of their presence on a particular channel and also which channels they're using more or less heavily, you know, as part of their digital marketing mix, I think that's helpful because, you know, imagine sort of a matrix at the end of that where you've got multiple competitors, you understand their their model, how they're acquiring customers, perhaps how much that might cost them or what their, you know, ballpark investment in these different approaches might be. And finally, a sense of what a customer could be worth to them. You know, if you can do those things and then also start to understand some of their approaches to be successful, at least on some level in these different channels, that can tell you a lot. And it can also alert you to any blind spots in your own strategy. So, you know, big picture, let's think about, you know, how would you, well, I don't know, guys, what should we do? Should we talk about like, how do you first find out who the competitors are? Or once you have a competitor, you know, how to like start big picture and learn about things like their tech stack and their site structure and the channels that they're they're playing in. I think step one is identifying those competitors just because the awareness piece is so key. And if there is a difference between who the actual competitors are digitally versus who a client may think their their competitors are, understanding that awareness piece is key. So I think discussing tools or, or ways to identify who they are is is really important. Yeah. So Ray, client comes to you, maybe you're auditing a Google ads account. How do you determine the domains or the competitors that are truly their competitors in paid search? What's kind of that step one to get the awareness? What do you recommend? It, it kind of depends. If there is a current Google ads or Microsoft ads account in place, we've already mentioned this report called the auction insights report, which just go ahead and Google that or it'll be in the show notes, but you can run an auction insights report. And this report will tell you the domains that are firing when your keywords are searched or when that search term is searched. And it'll give you different information, things called like impression share and overlap rate and a bunch of different information, but really high level, it'll tell you who those competitors are from a domain standpoint. Now, if you don't have the luxury of having a Google ads account in place right now, and you're thinking about launching it, you can use third-party tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs to find like who competitors are at a, a search term or keyword level. Now, now, these tools aren't going to be completely accurate as it would be within Google ads, but it'll at least give you a general sense of, of who those competitors are. And you'll be able to establish generally 
who you can start to, you know, start, start monitoring like we discussed earlier. Yeah. So let's go deeper on that. If you have, if you have an existing account, the auction insights report can be run at different levels, correct? So you could run it campaign level, ad group level, keyword level, and so on. And so what I've found helpful in the past is running it for some of your non-brand kind of primary keywords, right, Ray? Because there's, depending on, you know, the industry and your brand and just the space in general, it can be hit or miss as to who is bidding on who's branded terms, right? Yep. We see a lot of variants. Sometimes it's like, it's always a battle. It's quiet or sometimes, right. It's like totally stacked and it's just common practice in an industry where everyone bids on each other's mm-hmm. names. Yep. So, you know, I think going in at that level of specificity is helpful. And, and Ray, like what kind of day range would you look at if you're just, you know, first glance trying to understand like who's even in the auction yep. for, you know, these keywords that I care about? Generally, you're pretty good to look at the last 30, 60 is, is a good date range to look at just to get a bunch of data to understand generally who those competitors are. However, if you do have a Google or Microsoft account and you see a major shift in your cost per click, your cost per conversion, you may then want to start looking at a shorter time range to find out when did that spike and whatever KPI happened. And then you can set the date range to whenever that KPI spiked. So that that could be another way to look at that information. Oh, so if you're looking at your performance report, essentially, over time, and there's a blip on the radar in one of these metrics, CPC, cost per click, CPM, cost per thousand impressions, cost per conversion, etc., then you would dial in the date range around that and, and look for any changes in things like the overlap rate by domain. So all of a sudden, competitor C, say that, you know, in, in the 30 days before that time was sitting at a 10% overlap rate, and suddenly they jumped to 50%, they've done something. They've increased their budget, perhaps they've raised their bids in the in the in the paid sense, yep. right? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the key would be selecting a date range in general that has enough impression data within it to make it a meaningful analysis. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes, like Ray mentioned, right, a competitor can slowly mount a strategy that, if you looked at a smaller window of time, it may not be apparent that you know they're. Their presence is there. So so looking at a longer term would also alert you, I think, to who the more durable competitors are as well. Yeah. And, and this is more of an advanced strategy, but if you are getting a ton of impressions and if you're able to run reporting week over week, you can really map things out and say, over the last 12-week period, here's exactly what impression share looked like by week in this auction insights report. And this is getting a little bit more tactical, but that's another advanced strategy that you can look at to find exactly how did these competitors change week over week. Yeah, that's so cool. And then imagine, you know, segmenting that further if you have brick and mortar or you have different territories for your business and maybe there are regional competitors, national competitors and local competitors having that ability to actually slice and dice this by geo as well depending on your campaign structure could be really beneficial because again it's i think it's about the level of resolution that you can bring to this analysis where the details are incredibly important and you'd want to take those localized factors into account i think ray what about if a client doesn't have an account already you know we see this sometimes right in the sales process prospect will come to us they are successfully executing on another channel perhaps seo perhaps email you know no matter the case they want to begin a new strategy on on paid traffic ppc google ads microsoft ads 
you know, how could they start to just map that landscape, gain that awareness of who's playing in the paid space for the keywords that I care about? The first thing I do is I cry a little bit inside because there's no Google Ads account. But after that, I would go to external tools like, like I mentioned earlier, SEMrush or Ahrefs, or even using Google Keyword Planner just to get a general idea of what are some of the key keyword phrases and then taking those keywords, moving them over to tools like SEMrush and then running that through database to find out exactly what domains are firing for specific search terms. So that's a decent way to get an idea. But until you actually start running ads, things may shift sometimes drastically based on based on the market. I'll jump in because we don't have as many levers to pull as you do on the exactly. paid side. It's We don't have the Auction Insights report. So I think, truthfully, you have to step back a second and really think about where you want to be. What products do you offer? What services do you offer? What are you giving to the world? Like, what, what is your, where's your client going to be when they are searching for you? And what search term is that? Like, if you really don't know, just give that some thought. Really think about it. And then literally Google that. Thank you for saying that. Blake. Start Googling it because who your competitors are are likely there already. Yeah. Right. That's who you want to compete with. So start doing that. That's literally step one. Number one is go to Google, Google whatever search term you think is relevant and you'll find 10, 12, 15 competitors on that land, on that search end result page, that SERP, you can kind of go back from there. And then I think really, if especially if you don't have an, an ads account already, that's when you jump into SEMrush and you go, okay, let's plug this in. Let's see where this competitor is and, and what they're ranking for. But I think don't underestimate the power of Google, like as a tool in this in this competitive analysis process, because it does give you so much information. It's literally, oh, he's th these are the people that are winning. These are the brands that are winning. So take that in consideration. Use Google in this process for sure. And you can also break that down by intent too. So if you don't see ads on a specific page, it's likely that's an informational or navigational query that that is firing. Not saying that it doesn't make sense to run ads on those search terms. My but favorite SERP for the ones without ads. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which ones are those? <laughs> yeah, they're few and far between these days. <laughs> well, you could also Bing it. I'm just going to throw that out there, guys. You could Bing it. So. I have switched to Microsoft Edge for my default browser. Highly recommend it. Oh, man. <laughs> I will so. say, if, you're, if your target audience is older and it's more of a B2B type industry or niche, Bing is relevant because a lot of people are on work computers, you know, they're doing their searching, they're doing their looking for their next supplier or whatever it might be on their company laptop. And a lot of times the default browser and the default search engine is Bing. And so it could be, and honestly, it could be relevant, but for most, almost every other industry though, I would recommend Google. Yeah. My, my well, grandma uses Bing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I would say, why not both? I mean, I think Bing is going to become even more relevant, right? And their sort of market share, you know, in the U.S. internationally has shifted over time, but obviously with the developments on their end with the new Bing, right? And AI technology being infused into that, that search experience that could change, that could change some things. But either way, I guess my point is why not have both, right? Like Google it and then Bing it, you know, but I think circling back to the, the big picture conceptual, right? Mapping the landscape, like step one, understand who's even out there. It's like, all right, understand who's out there. But in order to do that, what I'm hearing you guys both say 
is you first need to get clear on the kinds of, you know, Blake, you'd call them user needs or, you know, the kinds of searches that your prospective customer would be performing on the journey to discovering your brand, your products, your solutions. It's only once you've, you've kind of gotten clear on at least a, a, a subset of those keywords that you can then begin your kind of next steps of, you know, conducting some of that competitive intelligence. So, you know, let's just kind of paint the picture. Like we're going through this exercise and now we've done this for a prospect, client, for ourselves. And now we understand like, here's the subset of keywords that are kind of our core that we're going to build from. And then we know, oh, it looks like you know, there are these three competitors and they're, they're in Google organically for several of these keywords on, on page one, or they're occupying top spots currently. We're intermittently, like if we're just using the, the Google, the Googling method, Googling it method, you know, they're intermittently having ads fire on these different search result pages. We've identified that it's like, what's the next step? Cause now we've kind of got competitors A, B, and C identified, you know, at least for this product or solution. How do we then begin to get that like big picture understanding of what they're up to in their digital marketing strategy? You know, do you guys want to think about or talk through some of these like big picture things and then drill into SEO and PPC methodologies? Yeah. I think Ben, you covered this earlier. It's like gap analysis. Once you determine who those competitors are. It's determining where there might be some blind spots in either your current strategy, whether it's keyword gaps, creative gaps, offer gaps, whatever that may be. You need to understand how are your competitors going to market and then what are some viable strategies for you to consider for your business? I would agree. I, for me, it's hard to think about like a higher level of this analysis. I like, I'm immediately wanting to go into the SEO analysis and like yeah. <laughs> the process that I would take. And I think this could be valuable if you're like on the paid side as well, to be honest, because it will really this, this process of keyword gap analysis will give you like the full keyword universe and what's out there. What's like the whole, the whole keyword matrix, whatever you want to call it, right? You go to SEMrush again, not a sponsor, but maybe one day and you plug in. On the left-hand sidebar, there will be a whole list of tools and whatnot. And there's going to be one that says keyword gap analysis. You'll click on that and you'll just plug in yourself. And then I think you can, I think it's up to four. It might be five. I can't remember exactly, but you'll plug each one in and you just hit submit and it'll run a report and it'll literally show every keyword that you have in common with your competitors that you don't have in common with your competitors, where you're weak, where you're strong, what's quote unquote untapped. And you can filter out and see quite literally everything. And this is like a great place from a keyword perspective, say, okay, I know where I stand right now. I know where I'm weak. Let's sort of drill down from here and identify, as you said, Ben, like the user needs or the specific user intents to start actually building out that content and starting to rank for it. Now, taking that to the paid side, again, this will just give you a better idea of like, okay, what keywords can I target still? Like this, it's still that still valuable information, but from my, you know, my brain's working kind of from an organic perspective when, when we're doing this. Right. And the, the output of that report, it, it's like essentially a really gnarly Venn diagram. Yeah. <laughs> and you can imagine, you know, understanding then like where there's overlap among the competitors, where there are unique opportunities and then kind of where you fit as far as coverage. But, you know, I guess you guys want to hear something wild, like zooming out to the the big picture again, because now it it kind of goes like mapping the landscape. And I, I wanted to include this. So chat GPT is only trained on data through September, 2021 currently, right? And now GPT four is out at the time of this recording. 
what I've found helpful in some cases is in a similar manner as, you know, hey, let's go on Google, let's identify the target keywords, and then let's look at who's visible for the target keywords. Take your product and or your brand, if you've been established for some time, or if you're in a market that has some history to it, and start querying ChatGPT about your market. Say, I offer widgets. Who are the best known providers of widgets? And what users, what markets, what industry, like what use cases do they serve? Okay, who is the leader in widget production? Okay, what's the best way for widget producer to acquire new customers? You know, you can, I think with that line of inquiry, you can also get a lot of that landscape mapping accomplished. You can also understand just based on whether it returns a result with a competitor's name, you know, if there's content out in the wild about that competitor or not, you know, if they're like, I'm sorry, I'm only trained to this point and I don't understand or I'm not familiar with that entity, then you're like, okay, I'm going to have to do my own research a little bit, you know, more in depth. But I just want to throw that out there because I think you can get some insights in that big picture strategy again, using AI to kind of augment your, your manual research process. And to build off that, and this is a whole other episode, but if you don't have that historical knowledge in ChatGPT, you could like prompt and tell ChatGPT and say, you are an expert widget maker over the past 30 years and are well-established in XYZ. Brainstorm some target market ideas for me. And you can even go that route just to get some ideas of what that may look like. And you can just prompt and prime and tell ChatGPT who it is and then have it spit back information for you, which is cool. Sure. And I mean, getting even more tactical, you'd say, what are likely keywords I would target in Google ads if I was that widget manufacturer? You know, what are the most important pieces of content my website should include if I'm a widget manufacturer? And, you know, as we discussed these other sort of analyses or competitive intelligence methodologies, like you can, you can prime GPT with this data to get even more useful insights. So, you know, what are the best, you know, non paid traffic strategies for widget manufacturer that are inclusive of digital marketing and how would I execute and what are the best tools and, and so on and so forth. But I don't want to go down that whole AI. Next time. Yeah. Or sometime. Sometime for sure. What about, I mean, for me guys, right? Like still like in this mapping the landscape and coverage, so now you've got your set of A, B, and C figured out. You know, we talked about like getting clear on the keyword spaces and so on. You know, Blake, you mentioned the the coverage. For me, I'm thinking even bigger picture. It's doing that same kind of Venn diagram comparative analysis, but almost at the channel level. It takes a little bit of legwork, but it's it's sort of like, you know, what I'm going to do is... I'm going to use a tool like SimilarWeb. I'm going to use a tool like Crunchbase. I'm going to try to understand like what are their company sizes? Who are their key players? What's their annual revenue? You know, any like historical knowledge about the markets that they're in. So I would do that. I would set up a Google alert for their company names or, you know, these key players in their company. I would then, you know, go on. I mean, obviously I'd be Googling and binging and seeing, are they in organic? Are they in paid? I would go on their websites. I would sign up for their email lists. I would stalk them. Well, basically, I mean, right. Like go on social, right? Yeah. Who are their followers? What channels are they playing? Oh, they're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Great. You know, they're, and then if you start to notice like, wow, all three competitors are here, here, and here, but they're not here you know, that can give you some hints. So I want to do that. And I also want to understand, you know, what are their offerings? What are the the price points? If that's kind of publicly available information and so on, like the, I guess the other one, this is super critical is reading reviews 
of the competitors. <laughs> so you can understand in their customers' words what the value that competitor is bringing to that customer is. So, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty thorough kind of mapping landscape. What are the channels? strategies makes business model like if you can understand that for some of these top competitors then i think you're primed to start to go deeper into the two channels and to peel back just quickly the the gap analysis side of things you mentioned if competitor a b and c if you're noticing that all of your competitors are on linkedin or some channel for example and they're putting a lot of effort content posts they're getting engagement and your brand does not have coverage on that channel that may lead you to believe like not, not just because everybody else is doing it, you should do it too type of thing. But if they're getting a lot of engagement, there's a reason why they're putting so much effort in a channel. And you should consider that too, because your your target audience is likely on the channels that your competitors are putting effort in as well. Right. Yeah. It's at least a signal. And it's the it's kind of like the misleading or maybe like it's not as intuitive as like it's a good sign if there are paid ads showing up for a set of keywords that you think are relevant to your product or service because it's a signal that someone is likely making money on those keywords from an advertiser standpoint. And yeah, I mean, I think when you're, when you're sort of, you know, you are the brand, you are the advertiser, you are the, the company and you're, you're looking at your competitors and you're sort of trying to map that landscape so that you can develop your digital marketing strategy and your budget allocation that we talked about in what episode two. It's going to be challenging. Like if, if a given channel is at saturation with legacy competitors that have better economics or more budget or more effort, like even if it's just organic social, right? Like take the LinkedIn example and they're cranking out content. They got tons of engagement and following and they've got personal and company brands working in tandem and they're boosting posts on pay. Like that might be a tough nut to crack if you're just starting out and depending on your resources, like it's like, hey, cool, customers are on LinkedIn you know, competitors A, B, and C are finding success here, but do you stand a chance of breaking through the threshold of noise and ad dollars there? Maybe, maybe not. So depending on your situation, it may make sense to focus all of your effort there or to say, where is their blue sky? Where is there a channel with better or more favorable economics of acquisition? And should I go there instead? Because I've only got this much resources, time, energy, human capital, dollars, whatever. What about guys like the tech stack that someone's running on? Any thoughts on that? Have you guys dug into that in the past? I think there can be some value in it. Specifically, I th- Blake, when you find out they're running on Drupal, and then you're like, cool, we're on WordPress. Yeah, well, then you're that's a huge advantage. You, there, there's a tool called BuiltWidth. It's a Chrome extension that you can get a really a lot of juicy information, like kind of behind the scenes, back end type stuff. I think it's a little more advanced, truthfully. And I, I think that, like I said, there could be some insights that you can pull from. Like, are they using HubSpot? Are they using, you can see the, the CMS, you can get some details, but generally it's not incredibly, it's not going to be game-changing insights for the most part. I think you, you might come across something that like could be really enlightening, but overall I'd say that like there's not going to be something that's going to like push you into a new channel or something or like you'll find the blue skies there. I'm not sure that it's going to, that's going to happen. Yeah. For me, it's the, the best things I've found from looking at built with, or even probably even like, you know, just view sourcing a competitor's sure. site or like tag assistant using a tag assistant extension and seeing what kind of tags they have installed in their site. It's identifying, it's either got to be identifying pixels for, for advertising channels that I wasn't aware of like, Oh cool. They're on programmatic. I wouldn't have guessed that. Or it's identifying plugins 
for things like WordPress. And I'm like, oh, I, I should look into that. It's a WooCommerce plugin, you know, and then you can kind of look at the landing pages and figure out how it's integrated. And then like, oh, wow, I bet that's really reducing friction on the path to conversion. You know, that's, that's a use case I found helpful. I don't know, Ray, if you found anything else. With built with specifically, you mentioned this, Ben, finding what tags are on the site, but also like third-party tools like call tracking metrics or Salesforce, like understanding if a competitor has some tech on their site where they're recording and listening to phone calls is interesting, and that might be a route for your business to consider. So it's just, it's kind of going back to that gap analysis piece that we talked about earlier, where competitor A is running XYZ tech stack, maybe we should consider it too for our business if it makes sense. So that, that could be another route to consider. Yeah, or maybe it's like an evaluation of how sophisticated they are in terms of their tools and strategies. Like if they're, if they're stacked and they've just got, you know, CRM and, you know, full suite of tools and all the analytics and they've got like a hot jar or some, you know, if you can kind of glean some of those details, you could get some interesting, you know, insights. These are all real tools that Ben are listing off, by the way. These are not fictitious tools. Oh, Every, no. Everything is real. That is true. One that I didn't consider is Hotjar and Microsoft Clarity. If you can yeah. see that they're recording like user sessions on the site right. while you're browsing, and obviously their customers are browsing, that is maybe that's another episode to be on another, another podcast episode. But you can get a lot of really, really helpful information from Microsoft Clarity, Hotjar, and other session recording tools. Yeah. So guys, I'm taking us from the big picture down to the the fine details. And it's like, now we've got understanding of the keyword spaces. We've mapped the landscape. You know, you've run them through these different analyses and you're kind of watching and following their movements. So you've got this ongoing monitoring component. What about things like site structure, Blake? Yeah, so... Specifically, you can use a tool like Screaming Frog if, if that's where you want to. It's kind of, it's kind of a more technical tool, but it, it is, a, there's a lot of really solid information to be gained from Screaming Frog, but you could just, you download it. It is free. It, it'll only crawl up to 500 URLs on the, on the free version, but there's a, there's a sitemap tool where it'll literally show you an illustration of, of what the sitemap looks like for that website, basically. And you can see the taxonomy of all the things and how they fit in together, which is really, really interesting. You can see things like spoken wheel concept if they're using that, which is basically you have a hub, like a content hub or pillar page is what I usually call it. And then all the related content and how it's all linked together, which is really, really cool. But if we're kind of drilling down into, I think there's sort of the way that I think about it from an organic perspective, there's really like two levels of analysis. There's sort of like the domain level and I think we've been talking about that for the most part so far. And then now that we are drilling down, there's there's like the page level. And that's where you can get into things, specific things that you can um, understand about your competitors, like what types of content they're actually offering. And not necessarily from a keyword level, but literally like what is the question that they're answering? What solution are they providing? Like what need are they fulfilling? Because that's what you need to do if they're winning, right? If we're, we're looking at the right competitors, or the, those are the ones who are winning and driving the most traffic, understanding that kind of conceptual level, like page by page, a huge like next step for you to undertake and say, okay, how can I improve on this? What kind of value can I add that they're not? And how can I basically 2x or 10x this web page to make it so much better that we beat them, essentially? Yeah, sometimes called the skyscraper method, right? Yeah. yeah, that idea of how do you look at, if you treat a search engine result page, like an 80, if you do an 80-20 analysis on on one of them for one of these relevant keywords to your business, it's like, all right, the, the results at the top organically paid, they're going to get the majority click share. And so if you're looking at the top examples in the SERP, 
you're sort of intuiting that, or, or at least like Google is evaluating them as, you know, the, the result that is currently best serving the user needs. And so then the idea is like Blake mentioned, right? Like, yeah, how can I add more value to that to, to raise the bar significantly? And that's the level of effort required <laughs> to kind of reach the next level. So, I mean, Blake, we talked about that, that keyword gap analysis. I suppose if you sort of map the structure of your competitor sites, from an SEO perspective, you're also doing effectively a content gap analysis, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely going to be a part of it. And I, I think that is sort of where if you're, if this is your first time doing that competitor analysis where you'll sort of get keywords and like, you know, the user needs or that user intent sort of mixed up because one keyword that someone might rank for might, you know, like that might be a whole user need, but it might be multiple user needs. It might be irrelevant to your business too. Like it might not be worthwhile. So really understanding the, 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 the whole taxonomy of all the things really and how it all fits in and where you can pr provide that value is extremely important. Yeah. That's so interesting because in a sense, it's very elegant. You, you can do this at both the macro level, you know, what topics, what user needs am I missing or haven't I thought of, you know, becoming aware of what you don't know. And then you can do it at the micro level on a given page. And really, you know, like you said, what questions, like literally what kinds of content? Is yeah. it video? Is it audio? Is it visual? Is yeah. it Yeah. Do they textual? have an FAQ section? <laughs> right. Do they, are they, you know, I, I think a lot, like literally getting that specific saying, okay, if you have a blog post that you want to rank for, maybe it's, I don't know, you know, X, best XYZ company. Okay. Just for an example. Okay. And you'll take a look and it's going to be, you're going to have all your like comparative posts, right? And it's going to say, they're all going to have a list of the top 10, top 12. Okay. Well, if you want to rank for this, you need to have a list of competitors. Like, so those types of posts are usually off the table. But if you're looking at, we were, we were talking about a, <laughs> this is, this is kind of funny, but a, a recent drug that's available to the public that's legal right now, but a, for a competitor or excuse me, one of our clients to realize that it's actually being used as a, like a recreational drug when it's not supposed to be. And it's, it's being used, it's being outlawed abused, essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. being abused and it's being outlawed in some States and they're a mental health and substance use treatment center. So we're taking a look, okay, for that specific drug, there's going to be a, what is this drug? How does it affect you? Et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to see what specific pieces of content, like literally like a paragraph by paragraph level are ranking for those, like the top ranking pages have on their page, right? And that's what you need to do. And I, and, and I want to make sure that you're not just copying pasting, right? Like we're not trying to literally steal, but it's understanding at a conceptual level, how a page ranks and what makes Google as a machine, right? Cause that's who we're trying to, to satisfy here to rank. What makes Google as a machine tick? And it's the specific pieces of content that these winners have. You need to recreate something similar, reverse engineer it, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and then also add a unique value that these other competitors are either missing or just don't have altogether, or maybe they're not doing it very well. You need to be able to add a unique value because that's how you're going to ultimately win. Right. You can, in order to create a blockbuster that is going, it's like engineered to rank organically, right. you need to more effectively communicate this the solutions or meet the user needs for those existing queries, questions, user needs, and, or I would say, and if you really want to create a blockbuster, you need to anticipate or research or go back to that like keyword user need gap analysis and say, well, great. I mean, for this topic, you know, here's kind of like the current state where the bar is, the kinds of content, you know, the, they're hitting on these three different angles of this user need, but it looks like, you know, people also ask research, other kinds of research. 
they're not even touching three new aspects of this user need. And so, you know, identifying those and developing content for those, because then you have a more comprehensive article on that topic or a more authoritative one or a more compelling one, a more entertaining one. You know, that's the value that we can bring to a user that ultimately results in the machine ranking us, you know, more highly or whatever, but absolutely. Man. Just hearing you guys talk about it, it almost sounds like a recipe of sorts where it's like you got to find out like what other folks are doing and then how do we want to structure said blog or article? Is that a decent way to think about it? I think it is. And what's what's interesting about this process, so if you're going down this process, you're looking at it like a, a user need level or a page by page level of your competitors, you want to take like the top three to four, I would say, competitors and or perform an analysis on each one individually. Right. And what you're going to find out is they're not all the same, obviously. And one page might do a really good job of covering this topic when another page does a good job of covering this topic. And you might say to yourself, huh, why not create like a, a true helpful resource and do both and, and combine them? And, that, and that's the unique value or the, the 10x that you can provide because they're not doing that. There could be, like you said, multiple angles on how to, you know, meet this user need. And they're being satisfied on separate pages, but not together. And you want to create one resource that'll solve all their problems, the user's problems, and be like the one-stop shop and end their search. That's ultimately what you want to do from an organic perspective and from a paid perspective as well. You want to be the last website they click on for that specific search. Like you want them to stop there. You want to satisfy their need. Right. And so that's how you can do it. You can understand on a page by page level, what are they doing well? What is the, this other competitor doing well? How can we take all that and put it on our page to make sure we're, we're beating them out and we're providing the best user experience possible? Yep. That's how you get to end game for a given user need. That's so cool. I mean, Ray on the paid side, man, we got to talk about this. Like you've got the competitors. Now what, you know, what do you do next? So on organic, right? We talked about keywords, content, you know, kind of reverse engineering that. What do we do on the paid side to now drill into each one and get that insight that ultimately leads to action and us, you know, taking some, some measure. Let's talk about creative for a minute. So creative is like one of the biggest insights you can gather from competitive analysis. And again, I want to preface all this with, we're not going to like copy paste like Blake mentioned and just like take everything and put it into our ad copy, but there are tools out there or we can Google it to find exactly what are our competitors going to market with from a visual format copy offer. There, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. And then you can determine how you may want to go to market for, for a specific product or, or offer as well. Getting more tactical, you can use tools like Facebook or Meta Ads Library, where you can literally see the ads that they are running on Facebook today. And you can find out, are they running videos, carousel ads? Are they doing memes? Like, What, what are they doing for their, for their marketing strategy? And then what might be g gaps in your current marketing strategy from an advertising standpoint? So a, a really good resource for you to like try right now or in the future is just to Google Facebook or Meta Ads Library and type your competitor's name into the search bar and see how are they going to market on Facebook today. It's a really quick and easy way to find the ads that your competitors are running. Have you seen a lot of success in using memes as a creative? It depends on your goal. If you're looking for engagement and you're looking for awareness, yes. If you're looking for conversions, not so much. But you can get a ton of engagement with memes and... 
everybody loves a good meme, Blake, so you can go that route. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, with creative, right, we can you can literally go back to the Googling it method. So now, you know, you, you've got competitor A, B, and C, you can do that. You know, just Googling various keywords and analyzing their ad copy. I think that'd be the most manual and tedious method. You could use something like SEMrush where, you can, you know, depending on your plan, you can see like copies of their ad text for given keywords, which is pretty helpful. And then, yeah, on, on paid social, actually, Ray, like Google selectively fires a, a pseudo ad library now too. Mainly on YouTube, I've seen it. I've seen some on search, but there's like a little button you can click on YouTube that like shows you more info from that advertiser, and it'll show you the video assets that are typically running for a specific brand, which is interesting. Right. Time to time, if you click the, it's like, why am I seeing this ad? It's like you hover over the ad and you click, I think it's three dots. And then like, why am I seeing this ad? Selectively in that, you know, tool tip that pops up, you'll get like a see other ads from this advertiser type of result. And then it, it pops up something resembling an in-ad library, which is really pretty cool. But, you know, on the, I just want to circle back to what you said about the ads library piece, because, you know, what you're looking for, at least when I'm looking at this, it's like, you know, what ad formats, like you mentioned, video, single image, carousel, et cetera, you know, what's the nature of the visuals being used? What's the angle? Are they using influencers? Are they using product shots? Is it lifestyle stuff? Is it just random? Is it memes? You know, so kind of mapping that out again and, and, and also looking for patterns, but then also looking at the copy, um, the structure of the copy. Is it long text, short text? Is it, you know, filled with emojis? Is it, you know, what are the hooks? What are the angles? And then also looking at the offers, you know, are they, are they offer first? Are they, you know, BOGO? Are they free shipping? Is it, you know, a trial thing? Like what's the structure of the offer? Is there an offer? And then finally looking at the landers. And again, this is going to go back all the way to like the, it's like the U of digital marketing, like the stalker mode, like going to their site, going through their funnel, their path to purchase. If it's e-com, adding it to cart, abandoning cart. I mean, if you want to go end game here, I'm checking out. I want to see that whole user experience. You know, how long does it take to get it? What's the packaging? What follow-up sequences do I receive? You know, or if you abandon cart, do you then get retargeted with different offers? Is it multi-channel? Like, how does it work? You know, just getting a, a much deeper understanding throughout that whole journey of, you know, because now we're talking about, you know, competitors, channels, you know, targeting, creative landing pages, yep. possibly even product, you know, an end game. If it's SaaS, it's Legion, same thing. You know, you could submit an inquiry, sign up for their newsletter. Just try to immerse yourself as much as you can as though you were a prospective customer. And I think you're going to get some deep insights. Yep. A really quick tip when it comes to if you're going to be stalking these different like sites and trying to enter the remarketing audiences or things like that, I would highly recommend setting up a separate Chrome profile or a separate Edge profile. So then that way it's not like bleeding into like either like your like work like user account or your personal account. Cause then you can really say like, this is my Chrome profile for a competitor or B competitor. And it like lasers very specifically if you're trying to enter into those remarketing audiences. It's like coolwidgetguy at gmail.com. Yes. If you're signing up for widget competitor. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, guys. Well, I feel like we should wrap this up. We've given a lot here and just to kind of like bring it all home, right? So we talked about how do you identify the landscape? How do you get clear on, you know, what even constitutes a competitor in digital marketing and paid search, organic search, et cetera. So we got that. We got some really cool methods to do some comparative analysis and some tactics, I think, with creative targeting structure website 
tech stack, hopefully it's been helpful, right? To get these frameworks and, you know, processes and, and tools I mean, we've equipped you well to do that. And I'll just say, you know, I think it's a, it's a worthwhile analysis to do this. How frequently probably depends on how active you are in these different channels, but you know, at a minimum, do it once, do it now, get your baseline. And then maybe it's something you revisit annually or periodically as needed. But I will say this, these processes are very much built into the work that we do every single day. And like Blake, what you were describing is effectively. Yeah, it's a huge part of my process, specifically at, on a page by page level. We we don't kind of zoom out. We do. We do do that, of course, but it's not as often zooming out to like the quote unquote domain level. But on the page by page level, that's something that I do probably every single day. Right. And it's part of the one of the products that we offer right. in a sense, which is cool. And on the paid side, this is, you know, understanding that that user need and journey and then stepping through the targeting, the creative, the landing page and kind of that fulfillment and that journey to lifetime value. And, you know, we look at that continually for the most important user needs or keywords or audiences. And that's very much built in. So if you need help, reach out to us. And we'd also love to answer all the questions that you have on this topic. So please join the Profit Squad, send us your questions, and we'll answer them either in the community or on an upcoming episode. But thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe and let's level up our competitive intelligence. Thank you so much for listening. Your support means the world to us and allows us to help more people and grow the community. Please take a minute right now to subscribe and share this wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com. This will get you insider access, additional tools and swipe files, and help you elevate your marketing game to the next level. Thank you.